conquer local. It's really a breath of fresh air. Good times. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Hosted by Jeff Tomlin. Welcome to the Conquer Local podcast. Our show features successful sales leaders, marketers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who will inspire you with their success stories. Each episode is packed with practical strategies as our guests share their secrets to achieving their dreams. Listen in to learn highlights of their remarkable accomplishments and get tips to revamp, rework, and reimagine your business. Whether you're a small business owner, a marketer, or aspiring entrepreneur, the Conquer Local podcast is your ultimate guide to dominating your local market. Tune in now to take your business to the next level. I'm Jeff Tomlin, and on this episode, we're pleased to welcome Jonathan Stark. Jonathan has been in the software development, consultancy, and training space for over 15 years. I'm really looking forward to this talk. He has delivered sold-out talks on three continents, authored five books, including Hourly Billing is Nuts, and he's the host of the popular podcast, Ditching Hourly. He curates a daily newsletter focused on pricing strategies for independent professionals. As the president of Jonathan Stark Consulting, he's passionately dedicated to eradicating hourly billing and promoting fair pricing practices worldwide. Get ready, Conquerors, for Jonathan Stark, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Jonathan Stark, welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast. Great to have you on, man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Hey, well, um, tell us a little bit about the journey. How do you go from the Fortune 500 world all the way to starting your consultancy and uh, yeah, what does that journey journey look like for you? Yeah, it was a little bit of a gravitational pull plus an obsession on my part. So I had been working uh, for uh, clients doing software development by the hour at a, a pretty popular uh, dev shop, you know, like a sort of a software development agency. And it just hit me like a bolt out of the blue one day that we were probably losing money on our best developer and we were making a lot of money profitability wise off of our most junior developer. And I spent about two weeks trying to rectify that in my mind because it's like, well, if we were going to grow the business, we'd try and hire a bunch of people who weren't that good, which made no sense to me. So I thought about it and I thought about it until my thinker was sore and I realized after about two weeks that hourly billing was the problem. And once I identified that, I was like, well, if we were giving fixed prices of some kind, our best, fastest, most accurate developer would be the most profitable by a mile. All of a sudden it aligned. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about how hourly billing affects the, the relationship between you and your clients. You know, the more, the, the longer it takes you, the more you make and the worse it is for them in both ways it costs them more and also their opportunity cost is just you know they want the software shipped they don't want it shipped in six months they want it yesterday so this and a bunch of other things caused me to uh, go out on my own because you know i brought this information to the owner of the firm and i was the vp and i was like chris we need to do something about this and he understood it in theory but he was like but how would we make that switch i mean everything about this business is predicated on a billable hour and I didn't have a good answer for that. So I, I went solo to try and figure it out for myself. And, and then I was just running an agency using value-based pricing and productized services and, and advisory retainers and subscription type things. And it went great. Uh, but all of my friends from the old world 
my hourly billing friends, they kept asking me, how is, how is it possible that this is working? How are you not getting killed on every project? Is it really better? Yes, it's way better. So then they started to ask me to teach them how to do it. And, you know, over a course of years, I built up a sort of body of work around this pricing, all this pricing stuff. And finally, in 2016, I published my first book on it. And I basically from there, I never looked back. Um, all right. So I, I want to get into it then. So what, what's hourly billing sucks. And you, you explain that. I think, I think that makes sense. Um, so what are the alternatives? Sure. There's a bunch of things I advocate, but you could set a price, a fixed price, uh, in a bunch of different ways. So the idea of, of like, let's start here. Hourly billing is not pricing. You use generally the way it works is you give a client an estimate for how many hours you think it's going to take. They multiply that by your hourly rate. They give you a green light or not. Uh, but it doesn't matter if you say this is an estimate, this is an estimate, this is an estimate. They have to make a buying decision based on the number that you gave them. And if it goes over that number, it's a nightmare for them and for you. You know, the project starts to get very uncomfortable if you've gone over their budget. So hourly billing is not pricing. It's just billing in arrears for some time spent. And what I try to have people do is switch to pricing. So start pricing and stop billing. And there are a whole bunch of ways you can price service services. So for service business people, especially I mostly work with independent people like soloists. There are three ways that I advocate setting prices, depending on what kind of work you do and what kind of work you want to transition to. The three big ways are to value price projects. If you're doing custom projects, which are sort of non-trivial, collaborative uh, engagements where the client is involved to a, a, maybe not heavily involved, but they're involved along the way. You're doing status reports and, and design review and all of these things with the client over the course of months. Uh, and it's got some done state, some point at which it will, you know, mission accomplished kind of, kind of thing. That, to me, that's a project. And if you're going to continue to do project work, then I would say value pricing is a great way to dramatically, potentially dramatically scale up your profits. The two other ways, I'll, I'll, I don't, I'll, we can go into whichever ones you want. The two other ways are productized services. And the last way would be some kind of product or info product. Okay. So my, my baseline knowledge here, I'm, I'm a big fan of value-based pricing. And we've gone through exercises mm -hmm. to revamp our pricing a number of times. It makes a lot of sense to me. You've got a value metric and you're, you basically structure it so that as the client gets more value out of that product and gets more usage out of it, the price scales with it. And so help me understand um, how you can do that on the service side of things. Um, mm -hmm. I have an idea, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but I want to make sure I understand how, how, how you'd scale that. Sure. So if you want to stay solo, so if you don't want to scale up by hiring people, which is a way to scale up an hourly model, you just hire a bunch of people that are junior and you mark up their time. So like that's an approach that can work if you want to be a manager, if you want to be a boss. But if you want to keep doing the thing that you love doing, then that's not a really viable approach. So you need to come figure out some other way to create leverage in your business. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck at this maximum income forever. So value pricing is a great way to potentially scale up your income, disconnect your time for money and scale up the amount that you can charge. And the, the air quotes trick to it, the growth comes from getting bigger and bigger clients who get more and more value out of the expertise that you're bringing to the table. 
because if you're delivering higher value, you can set your prices higher and they'll still be completely acceptable to these bigger and bigger clients. So when I first went solo and I explained to, you know, I said, oh, dad, you know, I, I quit this great job where I was the vice president and I'm going to hang out my own shingle. He was like, well, how are you going to, are you going to hire people? And I said, no. And he said, well, how are you going to scale up the business? And I said, by getting bigger clients. And if you charge based on value, not time, you can set, you know, a six, seven figure fee for something that you're very well known for being an expert at. And if they are in a very high risk situation and the, the project that they've got going on is going to have big downstream effects for, I don't know, 10,000, a hundred thousand employees, all of a sudden, you know, writing me a check for a hundred thousand dollars, isn't that big a deal because it decreases the risk of screwing this big thing up even a little bit. So it, if you have tiny clients and they're barely getting any value of what you do, it won't help you at all. So you know, there, there's that, like you need to be ha having bigger and bigger and bigger clients who get more and more value. And that way you can raise your prices. Uh, so I, I like that you're, uh, as you're talking to your potential client, you in throughout the sales process, you have to understand exactly what their pain is that you're going to be solving for them. And more, most importantly, be able to quantify that so that you can put a, put mm -hmm. a value against it. Right. Yeah. That's correct. And it's napkin math. I mean, you're not going to get an exact number out of them. But if, if you know, if you're talking to a, a client that has, uh, you know, a million dollars in payroll every month, and they've got this project that's going to increase their productivity across the organization, and they brought you in because they recognize you as the expert at this software packet, you know, Salesforce or whatever it is that they have, and they know it's misconfigured, and they know they're not getting their investment out of it. Then the amount of the, the any a price that you could set that would be reasonable to them, there's a lot of a lot of wiggle room there. So you don't have to have like an exact number or what's the budget for this project, but you do need to understand the success metric. What is the needle they're trying to move? And what would that mean for a company like this? So if you could increase productivity by 10% across even a couple hundred employees, that's going to have a meaningful bottom line impact for this business. And if they believe that some contribution that you can make is going to either increase the odds of that or deliver it to them more quickly, then that's worth real money. So, and if I heard you correctly, as you go through your process of, of scaling your business and profitability, your ideal customer profile is changing and you're going up market as you get better at your trade. Yes. There's a spot, there's a spot where consultants, I think they can kind of top out because at a certain point, if you're known as an expert at some particular thing, there's a certain point where the company gets so big that they have someone like you that is an employee, you know? So if you, for example, if you're doing, if you're like, um, you know, a pricing expert, let's say they might have an entire department, you know, a Nokia or, you know, that's a past client. They're not really around anymore, but somebody like Staples or Starbucks, they probably have someone in house that they might even have a team of people that'll do this. And they're investing hundreds and hundreds or maybe millions of dollars a year into that staff. So they might be too big for some expertise as it's some expertise that you have. But there's this sweet spot that I usually find with my coaching students where somewhere between 200 and 500 employees, the, the business has been in business for a while. They're really familiar with their numbers and they've got this bet the business project that they're nervous about. And it's, they got to get it right the first time. They want to get it done as quickly and painlessly as possible. 
and you're the person you are the go-to guy or gal for this kind of a thing and they'll, you know they'll they'll pay for that even if it takes you very little time yeah i get it that it makes a lot of sense so uh, i'd like to hear a little bit more about the other two examples that you have you you, sure. you mentioned productized price or productized services and uh right and the other one so and just jump products a bit yeah yeah so productized service is it's a hybrid between a product and a service and it it's sold or it's marketed as a product so like like a lamp at target it might come in a box it's got benefits it's got a picture uh, you can see what it is and it feels very tangible and you, you can understand what it would be like to interact with the lamp but it's delivered so it's sold marketed and sold as a product with all the sort of def very clear tangible as tangible as you can get for a service, like experience of what it would be like after you bought this thing. But then the delivery for the client who does buy is delivered like a service. So the difference between, the big difference between the productized services and just like custom projects is that it's for a, a fixed scope that you sell usually at a published price. So as you attract prospects and they come to your website or they're exposed to your marketing materials, they see this very clearly defined thing that has features and benefits that are super obvious to them. Like, yeah, that would be great. And then boom, there's the price tag. And here's a button that will allow me to take the next step, which is usually not a phone call. Unless the ticket, the price is very high. It's usually not a phone call next. Usually it's like an imply now or some kind of intake, or it could even be a buy now button or join the wait list. But there's some, some call to action there. So it feels more like a product, like they're buying something like right now. So give us an example of like wh what thinking this way, what can it do to profitability overall? Mm -hmm. So the uh, productized service specifically, or you could go through any of your examples, but as, as you start mm -hmm. thinking about um, value pricing and as, as opposed to mm -hmm. hourly, uh, like what is the typical transformation in, in profitability when people start to make a shift in their mind? Uh, I literally interviewed someone yesterday who, I had a, a coaching call with about a year and a half ago, and this guy's a machine. He he did everything that I said, and and I said, well, how, how has it been? And he said that he has doubled his income. He's working the same amount. He likes he likes his job. He didn't really want to decrease his hours. He's working the same amount. He's doubled his income, and he has massively improved his relationship with his clients. Like the experience of working with his clients is in his words just way more chill and he's doing way better and he's got enough time on the side to be writing a daily mailing list running a weekly podcast and building a SaaS product while running his normal service business wow well so how, how could this go wrong like are there any arguments against the this approach and, oh yeah and what are the pitfalls sure in? Hourly billing is very safe. You basically can't get yourself in trouble financially with hourly billing. There's no risk to it. If you work the hours and the deal is they're going to pay you for the hours, then you get, you know, assuming the clients are not, you know, assuming they pay, then which is sometimes a big assumption, but assuming they pay, it's safe. There's no, there's no real risk. It, therefore, there's no real reward. So the, the point at which people start to look for someone like me when they get really frustrated is when they realize that the better they get, the less they make. So they're working harder than ever and they're not getting ahead because they have to put in these out more time. 
they need more clients because they're finishing things faster. So they start to feel stuck at this. Usually it's around $150,000 to $250,000 revenue per year. And they're just stuck there and they're working like a dog. So, you know, I, I probably like ignored the actual question because this is a total soapbox of mine, but yeah. um, it can, it, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a trap. The hourly is a trap, but it's very safe. But so if you're, if you're comfortable in there and you're happy with hourly billing, then ignore me. That's fine. But if you start to feel yourself in this trap, then there are only, I mean, there are probably a half a dozen ways out of it for service, service providers, maybe more, but there are ways out of it without, you know, hiring a bunch of mini-me's to do what you do, only not as well. Well, like I can imagine people thinking through this for the first time, especially in ser- uh, on the service side. And it's, it's probably something that we haven't thought enough about, uh, or, you know, over on our, our side. But I could imagine someone like getting it and it feeling like a breath of fresh air because it, it, it's just like a, uh, how a business increases their, their TAM, right? Like you've got different levels or, or different, different levers to increase, you know, the market that you serve and your, and you know, the total available amount that you can earn. And they're typically things mm-hmm. like, like, you know, adding, you know, increasing the, the actual audience size that you're, you're trying to uh, focus on or increasing, you know, the, the, the value per customer uh, that you can get at, at the, at the end of the day. So this seems like a, um, a way that people can break out of, you know, the, the, the earn, earn, or earning potential that they have at one time. Yes. But, but like you alluded, it's dangerous. There is risk. It's not without risk, but that's why it has a reward. So the thing that usually when people hear me talking about this or they encounter it somewhere else, they, a lot of, a lot of people, a non-trivial percentage, but not most people, but some people immediately get it immediately. They're like, Oh, that's, I've always hated. I would never made sense to me. And, and they go all guns blazing into, you know, they read a, you know, one book and they're like, okay, all my clients are going to be like this from now on. And they shoot themselves in the foot right away by giving a fixed price that is way too low. And they end up feeling like regretting it and wishing they had not done it. And they'll, they'll blame the concept of value pricing perhaps, or hopefully they'll, they'll recognize that they didn't really value price. They actually tricked themselves into thinking they value priced it when really they did time and materials because it's, it's so hard to flip your thinking away from scope first to scope last, which is what you need to do with value pricing with, with scope first. Like most people that bill by the hour, when they meet with someone and they're in a sales conversation, they talk about scope, 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 because the next thing they're going to do is put together an estimate of how many hours it's going to take to do all the stuff you told them to do. And it's almost always too low because an hour or even, even a a couple of hours is not enough time to uncover all the things that are going to happen in a six month project. There's going to be a lot of creative creativity. There's going to be a lot of surprises. Like every single time something happens as a surprise. So you're for sure, your estimate is too low, almost for sure. So what happens when you switch to value pricing, but you're used to thinking about scope, 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 scope in the sales meeting. The thing that you didn't talk about in the sales meeting is what the client is trying to accomplish. What is their goal? What is their business outcome that they believe this is going to contribute to? And it's always something that has like increase or decrease in front of it. It's like increase revenue, increase profits, decrease cost, 
improve, you know, increase or improve employee morale, increase customer satisfaction numbers, uh, become more known. Uh, we want our CTO to be well, more well-known as a thought leader so we can attract more employees. It's always an increase or decrease. There's always some number. And if you don't spend that hour that you're talking to them, finding out how they're going to judge what, how good of a job you did, if you don't find that out in advance, it's like shooting hoops with a blindfold on. You're just lucky if you get, you know, hit the metric that they wanted. It's just luck. And you end up doing best practices uh, all day long. And then you get to the end of the end of the budget and the client's like, well, we, you know, this isn't going to work. Like this isn't doing what we needed to do. And then the fingers start pointing because you didn't find out what the goal was up front. So with value pricing, you need to get really good at finding out up front, how am I going to satisfy this person? What's a, what is going to be a home run for that person sitting right across from me? What is the, like, find out what it is going to take to satisfy them. And then you decide if you think you can contribute to that in a meaningful way. And if so, then put together, you know, guesstimate how much that's going to be worth to a person like this in a company like this within an order of magnitude is close enough. And then create some prices that are less than that, a fraction of that number, and then decide what scope you're going to do at each one of those points, each one of those price points. So if this is worth $100,000 to the person sitting across from you, like almost for sure, then divide it by 10, give them a price for something you're going to do for 10,000, something you're going to do for 22,000 and something you would do for 50,000 and set your scope in such a way that it will contribute to their outcome, but inside of this budget that you'd be fist pumpingly happy to do. I, I can relate, especially as you're talking about the hourly billing piece, you know, the biggest pet peeve that people have is working with contractors is the after work orders. When you, you know, you scope something for an X amount of, you know, $100,000 and it always comes in over budget, no matter what, how much work you do. Um, to get them to map out, yep. uh, you know, their plan ahead of time. And it drives, drives everybody nuts, doesn't it? Clients don't like hourly. It's, it's terrifying, especially if it's a big outlay. You know, if it's a, if, I mean, if it's 10 bucks for some stuff, like whatever, but if you're planning on spending a year on a project and, you know, you've got a team of people that you're paying hourly to do it, it's, that's very risky for the client and no risk. For the seller i mean deloitte and a bunch of the other big consulting firms get sued routinely over them going way over budget and then it's just like well that wasn't in the contract and it's like you said no you said and i just didn't want to do business like that anymore because even at a small scale we had the same situation we were it was like very common to go over estimate and i hated that i hated having those conversations so one of the beautiful things about fixed pricing whether it's value-based or otherwise is that you never have to have one of those conversations again and you can much more reliably satisfy the client because you find out how they're going to measure the success of the project and you don't waver on the price that you gave them up front nobody i mean have you ever had a, done a home renovation and you just feel like you're yeah don't ever want to just do another feel one. like you're yeah it's brutal uh, and by by the way, you know, I can share our experience when we, from a product point of view, when we first um, made the move over to value based pricing, it, it was like a, a a breath of fresh air. You know, the what we experienced was you know the the amount of leads coming in the in the front door increased dramatically because we made it easier to to interact with us. Conversions increased on the back end because the conversations that we were having were just so much easier to have. 
And it was a yep. win all, all the way around. And, and that was the biggest takeaway. It's just, hey, the conversations that we're having, whether we're actually having them or we see the decision-making process that you know, the leads are making throughout the, the buying journey, um, everything just got a lot easier. And it felt like we were running downhill instead of uphill. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's, a, I mean, I, I know from teaching hundreds of people how to do this, that, that certain people just don't, they're business owners, they're solo business owners, whether they see themselves that way or not. And some folks just don't want to do sales, even, even if it's a consultative kind of sale that I think both you and I know is fun and it's not pushy and it is, it's in it delivers value while you're in the sales process. And, but some people are just like either introverts or whatever. And for those people, I think it can be a real long journey to, to flip their mindset away from cost plus cost first and to scope last. So productized services, I think are a better fit for that group because you leave, you end up leaving money on the table, but in exchange for that, you basically don't have to do sales at all it's much easier to close deals. They're not even deals. I mean, it's almost like you turn clients into customers instead of, you know, these sort of high touch, high touch, long-term custom risky engagements. Jonathan, I hope that we've uh, got people thinking about the way that they price and, uh, uh, and got the wheels turning a little bit uh, throughout, the, the, throughout the talk. Um, if you were to leave the audience with a couple of takeaways, uh, what do you want at the, at the top of their mind? I mean, the, the number one thing is to just, just think about it for a second. Trading time for money makes no sense. Like it's common, it's the norm. But if you think about it, it makes no sense to make less, the better you get. It just doesn't. So once you recognize that, then it becomes a choose your own adventure of like, how, what is the best way to price? Instead of billing for my time, how can I price my outcomes, my products, my productized services, my projects. But if you don't, if you don't disconnect yourself from time, you're just going to end up stuck. I mean, it, it, there's just no way around it. So yeah, I mean, we could have a whole conversation around positioning because you need to be seen as unique. Otherwise you'll get undercut by competitors who are terrible at what you do because the clients can't tell the difference. So there's a whole component there, but that's, you know, that's a book unto itself. Well, if people wanted to continue that conversation with you, how do they uh, reach out and get in contact with you? The best place is my website, honestly. Um, so if you just go to jonathanstark.com, then right on the homepage, it's like a first time here and a bunch of free resources and a way to get my email and all that. If you can't remember my name, just Google for the Ditching Hourly Guy and it'll come up. Amazing stuff, Jonathan Stark. I, uh, I do hope with that we got some uh, wheels turning throughout the conversation. It's great stuff. Thank you so much for taking some of your time to sit down and chat with us on the Conquer Local podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Lots of great learnings from our conversation with Jonathan Stark. Value pricing and productized services offer better alternatives to hourly billing for service businesses. By focusing on pricing based on the value delivered to the client and providing clear, tangible offers like productized services. Service businesses can increase profitability and improve client relationships. I love value-based pricing approaches and clearly, I'm sold on this approach. Shifting from hourly billing to value pricing requires understanding the client's goals and desired outcomes up front. 
allowing for more accurate pricing estimates and eliminating the need for constant scope discussions. Value pricing empowers service providers to break free from the time for money trap and in the end, achieve higher income and business growth. If you've enjoyed Jonathan Stark's episode discussing transitioning from hourly billing to effective pricing models, revisit some of our older episodes from the archives. Check out episode 620, The Power of Verticals and Go-to-Market Strategies with Corey Quinn, or episode 618, Mastering Partnerships and Go-to-Market Success with Barrett King. Until next time, I'm Jeff Tomlin. Get out there and be awesome. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Suleiman Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Nicole Lozon, and Suleiman Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Suleiman Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.